0: hello everybody welcome to Eminem podcast third edition of the Canberra Football show I'm one of your hosts Matt Nicoletti along with Michael Georgeski today we have a very special guest in Frank Kacia and we'll be talking uh, all things uh, football and also Frank's career in Canberra football Michael first of all how's it going with you
1: yeah good thanks Matt um, I've been good um, it's good to get another uh, podcast uh, up and running um, and Frank uh, once again thanks for, for joining us I um, I can't wait to get stuck into it.
0: Too easy. Frank, first of all, how's it going today?
2: Yeah, good. Thanks, boys. Um, and, and probably before we even get started, just congratulate you guys for, for what you guys are doing. Um, it's really good to see someone uh, actually covering the local game outside of, say, your bar TV and your, your regular channel. So it's really, um, I think it's a real, real shot the arm for the local competition.
0: Thank you very much. It means a lot. Let's get straight into it. So as we all know, everyone is starting to get back into training at the moment. And that is following the uh, procedures. Every stage is going through the COVID safe stages. ACT, I believe is in stage two where they're allowing 20 people and whatnot. But when it comes to the actual trainings, what they're doing at the moment is everyone's, all the teams are trained, but they have to split into uh, groups of 10 at the moment. That is uh, what is currently the case with all teams. And they've all released a safety procedure I had a look at Bell Connons one, and on their one, they stated uh, that uh, with local sports uh, of the ACT plan, they're on 2.1, which means the 10 people. So they're going to be following the ACT plan, and I'm assuming uh, Monaro and all of the New South Wales will have to follow that same plan as well. And we mentioned this last week would there be an issue with the New South Wales teams if the restrictions were the same? Now, we can safely say there won't be an issue because New South Wales seems to be ahead of all those decisions which which is good because that you know uh, avoids any conflicts uh, whatsoever in terms of training and games and whatnot so first of all Frank uh, we wanted to bring you on and uh, sort of discuss not only about you and uh, what you've done in camper football and whatnot but also what's going to be happening in camper football in the future uh, would you like to discuss what happened uh, like what happened when you first found out that Football was going to be playing uh, this year, and uh, what did you think of all the bans that were put in place in that regard?
2: look, I guess I guess like anyone, um, probably our first reaction to the whole COVID was was probably not about football. Um, it was more around you know making sure everybody was safe and and whoever um, was at home was staying at home and things like that. So I think that was probably the priority. Um, I guess after that when, we, when you started putting your mind to football it was around you know, what, what impacts and what implications and, and I guess we probably only are just scratching the surface. So even when we are talking about teams returning to training and we're talking about reduced competition there's also the, the, the knock-on effect um, that I know that other clubs, you know, a lot of clubs will be experiencing is the, the future forecast around you know, how viable is it to be paying players as far as as much as they are, you know, ground locations, bookings, you know, the financial impact sponsorship you know a lot of local businesses have taken a hit how does that affect the club yeah, so there's there's a myriad of things that that probably haven't even been thought of just yet um but we'll be um, coming to the forefront pretty quickly i'd say
1: right and i guess just uh going off that you know um do you think that we will see a, re- a return uh this year with I football
2: I, I fully expect i fully expect a return to football this year um I mean, I don't. I don't think that the clubs are training and uh, for nothing. And obviously now the NRL's kicked off last night and, and things like that. You know, AFL is probably a week away. A League have announced the start date, so there's no reason why we shouldn't think that there's there's a return to the to the park centre rather than later.
1: Right. And sorry, see, seeing that um, you know teams like Matt mentioned uh, training in groups of ten, uh, splitting off into to different sections of the field you're a coach how, how, how would you sort of go about um you know because you've had to coaches now are going to have to modify uh their training um drills how, how would you go about it if you were in that yeah, in that situation I think this
2: is when there's probably two things that really come to the forefront is as a coach you're planning you need to plan to make sure that um whatever players you've got available to you are getting the same conditioning the same level of intensity the same technical um experience as others. So if one group's with you um, and working, you want the other group that's split off to be working just as hard. And I suppose that probably comes to that second point is you've really got to put a lot of value in your assistant coaches. Um, So I know that, say at Olympic, where we've got uh, Robbie Katanach and Victor Yanis working together, you know, Victor's going to be just as important as Robbie. Um, You know, Robbie might be doing the planning and the organisation of the session, but it's up to Victor to do the implementation of that as well. And I think every club is really going to have to put a lot of weight onto its assistant coaches as well.
0: Indeed, and... So, what would be one of your approaches, though, to training sessions, if you could just think of one on the top of your head?
2: Um, look, I guess my, my approach wouldn't be too much different. You know, I, my sessions would be still around what I want to try to get out of the team at the end of the day. And I don't think whether you're working with 10 or 10 at a time should really change that. So, you know, to be perfectly honest, it's local competition. You know. come middle of winter, you know, some clubs will be struggling to get 10 at training. Um, so look, honestly, I think as an NPL coach, you've got to learn to adapt um, and you've got to be learning to adapt to the last minute situations. All these guys have got jobs. All these guys, this is, this is not their priority. The amount of times you get a phone call or a text message, you know, ten minutes before training, saying I can't make it, I'm held back at work, or something like that. They're, they're the, the curveballs that get thrown at you. So that's where your planning really comes to the fore. Um, but to be perfectly honest, apart from like the non-contact stuff, and this is where you, you know, obviously, you, you've really got to go in depth around working out exactly what you would do to accommodate that. The rest of the session, like the way you plan, the way you go about it, what you want to achieve, shouldn't be too much different.
0: Indeed, and one of the main things that have come out of the this whole COVID nineteen football situation is the scrapping of promotion relegation within Canberra. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that situation?
2: Initially, I, I didn't thought I didn't actually think that was a thing. But um, having spoken to a couple of clubs and different people, it sounds like it is. Um, personally, disappointed because um, I think if you want an injection of life and enthusiasm and something new to competition then promotion and relegation was obviously the way to go. Uh, and there's a lot of good clubs in, in that NPL 1 competition that are really knocking on the door for for promotion into the NPL. So I think um well personally I think when, when clubs are, are approaching the season, you know whether it's a, a 10 game season or a 14 game season or a 12 game season, um, they should all be trying to make the top four. They should all be trying to win the competition. Um, Clubs that have lost their first few games and are struggling to make the finals, they should be trying to avoid relegation. And by the same token the pl- clubs in, in NPL one should all be trying to make their way into into the NPL. You know, I, I, I would have thought personally I would have thought even if it was a, a shortened season and there was a scrapping of promotion or relegation, there could have been another way of doing it. There could have actually been a playoff something else we can look forward to the team that finishes last in npl plays the team that finishes first in npl one you could have played it over two games and and had it as part of the um as part of our final series so you know those clubs all have something to play for at the end of the season and there's always that carrot being dangled in front of npl1 sides to get up
0: actually what now that you mention that i think there's a situation i read I think it's a Victoria where they're allowing promotion, but they're not allowing relegation. Yeah, would you think that would be decent for Canberra, or do you think it's either one or the other? Like, none
2: or, or both? Gee, I, I suppose Victoria's got a much bigger competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so adding another side, and then to be perfectly honest, I mean, adding another side here in Canberra doesn't make much difference. but. Does it reward, I suppose the question is, does it reward mediocrity? Um, and I'm not saying that to pinpoint any clubs or anything like that, but you, you want your clubs playing all the way through the end of the season, and I'm sure they will. Um, but I just think well, like, if, if there's no if there's no incentive for an MPL one club to be promoted to MPL, then the potential is um, this year will almost be a bit of a write-off for some clubs.
1: Most definitely, and I guess moving on now to shifting gears, um, you know, uh, talking about your tenure at Olympic, um, which was six years. I guess just in a more general sense to start off, what were some of your fondest uh, memories uh, at, at the club? Well, yeah. I can imagine that there'd be a fair few. Yeah, well,
2: 2016 was obviously the highlight. You know, we, we won the treble and um, you know, semi-final the FFA Cup. Um, mm. And look, I mean, that that to me, I mean, still you still sort of pinch yourself around that, like to actually think that you're lining up against. Um, you know, Sydney FC in front of the packed Vikings. You know, you're on Fox News and you know, the whole you know, bells and whistles there. Yeah, you know, that, that was obviously a fond memory. But to be very honest, even last year, you know, the, the reason I stuck around last year was, you know, we lost 14 odd players at the beginning of the season. I could have easily walked away. Um, but we ended up winning the league again. Um, you know, we, we built a new uh, group of players coming through, which now Robbie has um so that was a really fun and then obviously the first grand final that we won in 2015 I, you know while i was there so you know we came from sort of nowhere um to to beat Connor and then um, then to beat kuma and then to beat deacon in the final after going down after around sort of 30 seconds one nil sort of thing so that was that was something that was pretty special to us as well
1: yeah just going back on that 2016 ffa cup run which was just absolutely amazing i just remember the whole you know, Nation's Capital just going absolutely crazy because we never would have thought that a team could have gotten that far. But I mean, what was, I, I wanna know, what, what was the mood in and around just the playing group? Like just, you know, progressing just slowly through the competition, um, you know, obviously getting to the semis, but what, what was the mood like in, in the group? I could have imagined that the vibe yeah, was just amazing. It,
2: it pretty much was. And because things are happening so quickly, it's like, you didn't really have time to think like, so, you know, even, yeah, uh, Kuma, Kuma, ran us really close that year, and, and we only sort of got over the last last game of the season. We had to beat the Institute um, at the Institute to win the league. So it wasn't as if you know it was, a, it was a ride in the park, and we were sort of resting players here in Canberra to sort of get over the the hump of, of what we were doing in the FFA Cup. Um, Gabby's side was was an amazing side that year. You know that was Dominici and Goran and all these sort of guys, but. Um, and even in the semi-final, the preliminary final, Felipe Bernabo scored sort of last couple of minutes of volley from outside the box to get us through the extra time, mm-hmm. and and then we played Deakin at Deakin, and yeah, you know, but the the whole mood was just, yeah, you know, I suppose it was one game at a time, um, mm-hmm. which sounds cliche, but you really didn't have much much choice. We probably because we were playing so many games, we probably lightened off on training. Like, instead of training, we were playing we a yeah. week. We were playing, you know, there were big games coming up. And I think what, what it really showed was that, you know, if, if players have got something to look forward to, you know, if you've got a Redlands or a Green Gully around the corner who had just beaten A-League sides and you were playing them, um, you know, the fact that you were looking forward to those games was a massive boost for everybody. And then, you know, then, then obviously, you know, beating Green Gully and then facing um, Sydney FC in a semi-final, uh, <laughs> we 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 had a bit of a laugh about it, but it was, you know it was, yeah, they, they just put five past West West Sydney Wanderers that weekend. And I thought, oh my god, we we're going to cut ten here. But um, look, the boys are amazing, and, and the amount of boys that stuck around, you know, through that um, since then. Um, you know, look at Catamatch now; he's, he's coaching, so you know, it's, it's 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 really good, and it's it's something that you know I could never you wouldn't swap for the world. sort of thing, so Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Um Uh, Moving on from that terrific time, uh, you've obviously decided to step away from Olympic uh, this season. Uh, Would you be able to sort of um, delve upon uh, what led to that decision and um, what you are going to be doing going forward in the Canberra game?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Look, I I guess there was probably a few reasons um, to take a year off. Um, And it's not so much walking away from Olympic because, you know, I still talk to Rob, and um, at the same time, I always say, you know, Especially with my sons getting sort of closer to first grade, my oldest played four games of first grade last year. Um, when they got close, I didn't want me to be you know, there because I didn't want them to be stuck or myself, to be stuck with the stigma of people saying, oh, they're only there because of each other. Um, you know, he only got a game because his dad's coach. So I'm so happy that, you know, he's made the first grade squad this year under Robbie without me sort of being anywhere near it. Um, but at the same time, you know, like even, you know, I did two years at Monero before six years at Olympic and the whole time I was doing C licence, B licence, A licence. You know, there, there, there wasn't much time for anything else. Um, so taking a year off is probably a good thing for me. It probably gives me a chance to sort of even think about how I want to coach again. Um, and it is just a year off, uh, you know, maybe longer depending on, on what happens next year, because I guess, you know, I think each club should be looking at retaining their coaches. Either, you know, they've got to make sure that they've had a fair crack at it this year. Um, but yeah, if the opportunity arises again next
1: year or whenever, I'd definitely be looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I and kind of going on what you're going to be doing in the future. I mean, I'd heard maybe commentary might be in the <laughs> work with next to next to our dear friend yeah. uh, Russ Gibbs.
2: Yeah, Russ Gibbs. He, uh, yeah, he's lined me up a few times. So um, yeah, we were all all geared to to do commentary this year together. Um, I think he, he picks the worst company, so he looks good himself. So <laughs> I think that's probably why he tapped me on the shoulder. But um, uh, look, look, looking forward to that, and um, it's good. I mean, it's an opportunity for me to sort of sit there and watch a game and and be part of the, 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 the local scene still. And um, like I said, you know, it's, it's it's something that I don't think is going to last forever. Me sort of not coaching, but um, and, and and even when I've spoken to to, to people around the traps, it's. You, know, you don't go to your your, your, a, you know, your C, B, and A license for nothing. You know you 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 want to you
0: want to put that into practice and, and see what you've got to offer as well. Okay, and um, you mentioned you're still talking to Katanak. Uh What would you? Uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, the squad that they've uh, prepared this season? How do you think they'll go? Yeah, look, I, yeah,
2: I guess. The, the big losses that they've had this year have been the two bobbles boys. Tim's gone to Melbourne, mm-hmm. Nick's gone to Camp Croatia, and, uh, and Nathan Magic's gone to um, to Kuma. Um But I mean, I, this was part of the conversation with Olympic. Was there was probably only about two or three people that I you know would have hoped would have taken the spot. Um, and I think it, you know for the, for the whole club, you know, continuity of you know um, a face there that's been there that's one things there. I think there's probably only three or four people that have probably been there while I've been there that, that could have you know, stepped into that role and retain players. And, and Robbie was you know, you know, one of the more logical choices. So the fact that he's been able to retain the majority of players um, and attract some new ones, I think that's a good thing. And that's exactly what Olympic needed. Um, yeah. And that was probably part of the reason why I stuck around in 2019, because so many players did leave in, in, at the end of 2018
1: now sort of given your your coaching knowledge and given that uh rob is now uh, at the helm what sort of advice have you have you been giving him
2: look i'm, I'm more a sounding board to rob like i really you know rob, and rob's um he's a clever guy so he knows he knows the direction he wants to take um and yeah you know, it's it's more what do you reckon I'm just like yeah I, I think that's that's a good idea or or things like that i won't go and say maybe you should chase this guy or maybe you should do something different that's no it's his gig it's 100 his gig and um and if yeah you know, and, and to be perfectly honest it's the same with any other coaches i mean i you know i reached out to jimmy Caneridis a couple of weeks ago and i read that they had trouble with getting grounds and sort of said like have you thought of this have you thought of that uh jimmy was all across it but at the same time it's like i'm not exclusive to olympic anymore sort of thing it's i, I want to see the game progress and i want to see coaches do well and then no one ever wants to see you know people um, Put under that much pressure that they you know, they lose their coaching job or anything like that. So I really I really do want to see all the coaches do pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is it's a competitive competition. Yeah. Um, some are going to do better than others, but also depending on their expectations as well. So.
1: Yeah. And last lastly, just on this with uh, with uh, Katanak, um is it important that sort of he goes about coaching in his own style or does? Absolutely. Okay, so I won't absolutely. bother with the second part uh, of that question. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Robbie's been around a long time. He's played at, um, he's obviously played at Olympic. He's played at Cooma. He's played A League at Sydney FC. He's played at South Melbourne. He's played you know, a number of different clubs. Manly. Um, he knows what he wants out of players. He knows the style of play that he wants, and and he'll put something together to get the best out of players to do that.
0: And. We were just discussing longevity then. Uh, we just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Kuma this season with Gabby Wilkes stepping down. Obviously, a very long time he's been at at Kuma. What do you what do you uh, place on Kuma this season? How do you think they'll progress with Grogan uh, and uh, you know a lack of Gabby because that's 15 years at least. You know that's <laughs> was, a very strong presence there that's it was, gone.
2: It was funny. Gabby Gabby sent me a message. I was having a chat to him a little while back, and he sort of said. We both left, and now football stopped. It's like, yeah, well, I don't think we invented coronavirus, but you know, that's that's fine. Well, uh, Gabby's Gabby's still a big presence, and um, and he's he's been great value to that club. And I guess, look, to be perfectly honest, I think the, the new the new coaches coming into the to the there's a lot of new coaches coming into the They're the ones that are probably going to struggle, not struggle, but they're the ones that are going to find this whole COVID thing difficult because they've had a break from their their players, whereas. You know, someone like Marcel or Mitch Stevens that have been there with their club for a number of years, they know their players inside out. Um, the communication channels have all been set up, they know, you know, they, they know their players personally, whereas a lot of these other guys are still coming in quite fresh um, and establishing themselves. So look, I mean, the new coaches that have come in, Caddo, uh, Yuley, Ryan Grogan, have all got good runs on the board, um, and they'll all have their own way of doing things. And I think they're all pretty good choices um, by the clubs that, that made them, so I, I expect them to all to do pretty well.
1: Yeah. So we just touched on there. Obviously, Gabby, 15 years at Cooma no longer coaching. Yourself, six years at Olympic, no longer coaching. Are we sort of moving into a time like a newer generation with with coaching where, surrounding MPL one?
2: Yeah. Look, I guess I mean the, the people that are coming through at the same time. Uh, Dean's gone back to coaching after a couple of years that he's done the M- NPL. Um, Grogan's done Canberra United or Academy, so he's come back into the NPL. Um, yeah, and you only had a stint at Belconnor. Um, look, I guess there's always new play- people coming through. Um, and that's probably when you're looking at your 20s coaches and things like that, just to see who's, who's doing well and, and, and who's starting to establish themselves as, as a potential senior coach. And you also start looking at retired players you know, or players that are coming to the end of their playing career and see if they'll take the next step, you know, there's a, there's a number of people that, that could go around the traps and do just as good a job as, as myself or anyone like that. So, you know, you've got, you know, you've got people like the, the, the cause that have come back in, Danny could easily coach a side on his own if he wanted to, um, Paul's obviously got the runs on the board, um, you've got, you know, some players that are sort of retiring or, or you know, that, like a Jimmy Baxter, Who's spent some time in Monero. There are a lot of good people with, with good understandings of the game that have got a lot to offer in that in that place.
1: Yeah, given that you just sort of named off some of those coaches uh, j- just then, is there is there any coaches in particular that you really were looking forward to, to seeing how they would would have done with their side? Um,
2: I think yeah, look, I think we going to be interesting with with Kuma um, because I mean, obviously now it's his first club rather than an academy setup, so. Um, and he's obviously got a style of play, I'd like to see how that, um, you know, translates to the club. Um, Yuli's obviously got a style of play, I want to see how how it'll um, go. Cantoreades has now had a year under his belt, let's let's see. And yeah, and, and he's been faced, he's, he's lost a few, you know, real key players. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he rebuilds and, and what, you know, and, and Dean's an interesting one as well because, you know, he obviously had a style of play at Bill Um and going to Canberra Croatia, no disrespect to Connor, but the, the pressure on, on anyone at Canberra Croatia to succeed is enormous.
0: Indeed, and just a question about uh, some of the teams. Uh, so we were talking to Marcel when we were doing this whole situation, and we'll I'm not sure what the, uh, the squad situation's like at the moment after the whole COVID situation, but yeah, he had a very big squad. So what what would you do in that situation? Situation where you're handling such a big squad with so many like top, you know, the top players who have played, you know, around the uh, all around Canberra and Marcel said yep, yeah, this is something we're going to have to um, uh, to nail on the head. It's going to have to be something how we uh, you know progress and everyone's going to have to you know
2: do that. Yeah, well, I think that that's going to be uh, look. I think Gunggall have to come into the to the competition pretty much running favourites this year with the, with the squad. That they've they've got. They won the grand final last year. Um, he's an established coach at Park for a number of years now, so you know everything sort of ticks a box to sort of suggest that they're going to be one of the front runners. Um, I guess what's going to be interesting is just the amount of games that he can give certain players, yeah. um, because you know things like FFA Cup, whether or not that goes ahead because of travel restrictions and things like that. Like we'd be we'd be talking about the FFA Cup final now, sort of thing. Um, and we haven't even kicked off that competition, so um, NPL challenge, you know, whoever wins the league, do they get games at the end of the season against the other NPL champions? Again, you know, is travel going to stop that happening? So, all of a sudden, you've got a season of, say, 30-odd games reduced to sort of 14, 15, there's going to be some players that, that feel like, you know, is this the place for me? Should I be playing here or should I be getting a regular start somewhere else? At the same time, the more quality players you have, the more competition you actually have at your training sessions and the better chance you actually have of winning these because your best 11 or your best 14, 15, you know, the cream will rise to the top every week.
0: And considering uh, you had such a successful time at Olympics, six, six seasons with numerous trophies, you won all three of the trophies. Did you have a preference of which competition you prefer? Because Russ mentioned on the last podcast, he's like, there's no real incentive uh, to win the grand final. He mentioned that, or is 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 it just you just want to win everything you can?
2: You try to win everything, obviously, you know. But at the same time, I suppose that the big the big carrots are being dangled now. The national, uh, getting on a national scene. There's two ways of doing it. You now, winning the, the, the Fed Cup, so you become the FFA Cup yes. qualifiers, um, and and obviously winning the NPL, so winning the league. Um, you now, when we first started, winning the Fed Cup was, was just like secondary. Now you can't risk going out to a second or third division side or, or bloody youngsters in that because there's too much at stake that's a competition you want to win because if you get to that final 32 that means so much you could play an a league side first week you could get to your side to travel you could be on fox sports your sponsors you know all those sort of things and the knock-on effect of winning the fed cup is enormous
0: Indeed. All right, so thank you very much for uh, joining us today, Frank, despite all the uh, technical difficulties and whatnot. But uh, we greatly appreciate it, and uh, we hope uh, that you are on the show again soon.
2: Absolute pleasure, boys. Congratulations all right. Thanks, on the Frank. show, and we'll catch up again.
0: Thank you. All right, thank you. Now, just to let everyone know, once the FFA and Cabal Football will make an announcement on when... Uh, play will resume, Michael and I will uh, get a few more previews out like we've already done the men's uh, NPL preview, we want to get the women's done and we also want to get the NPL 2 done and we'll see about the FFA Cup who knows what's going to happen with that competition uh, we, I, I'm assuming they're going to wait to play the A-League out first and see how that goes before they make a decision on how to qualifying and all that's going to work for the FFA Cup Michael do you have any last thoughts?
1: Oh, obviously just uh, uh, keep an eye out on our Socials. Uh, we'll be posting the link up for this uh, very soon on our Facebook and just keep an eye on our Instagram uh, as well at
0: m M&M and Podcasts. Thank you very much, everyone. We greatly appreciate it. And hopefully we have some positive news about when play will resume soon. Thank you.